When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to the Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Do you have a mate that doesn't seem great? Maybe their team is up, but they're still down. A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Dare Iced Coffee, a proud partner of Are You Okay? Welcome to the conversations that could. I'm Dermot Brereton. This is a show where we talk to people from across the sporting landscape and discuss issues surrounding mental health. The struggles, the successes and ways in which we can all support each other through the challenges that life presents. Our guest tonight needs little introduction. His own successful AFL career notched up 280 games, 260 of them with the Magpies, the Collingwood Football Club. He turned his hand to coaching, spending just shy of a decade at the helm of the Pies. He's now one of the most sought-after commentators of the game and no doubt has a long media career ahead of him. Well, it's his second time round in the media. He had a little break in there in between while he was coaching. Nathan Buckley, welcome to the Conversations That Could. Thanks for having me, Dan. My pleasure. You're, you're an ex-teammate for a very brief point in time. That was fun. Yeah. I coached you for two games, which right. required no coaching at all. In fact, the players were coaching me in those two <laughs> games, actually. Very, very enjoyable. I would imagine when I'm looking at Nathan Buckley, the life, the times, the experiences has turned him into... Some person who gives sage advice. You mm. seem to be quite comfortable with the mantle of the experienced footballer who's capable of imparting wisdom at a tender age of 50. Yeah, yes. Um, Happy birthday. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, look, I, yeah, I understand that and I, and I do feel that at times. I mean, we only, we only experience our lives in a very narrow band, you know, of our, of our own sort of views and perspectives and, and the events that we collect along the way, but um, I've I heard once around uh, saying that you know knowledge can be transferred, but wisdom cannot. And I think you learn in situations where you don't have control. You probably learn more about what life is about than the times that you do have control, because there's plenty that you can't influence that you'd like to. Um, there's plenty of things that you would like to be different, but they won't be. And I suppose reconciling that as a as a person who believes that they can impact and control a lot of the things in their life, realizing that I couldn't, it was um, was a big part of my journey. But trying to impart my knowledge and and my experiences is something that I'm more comfortable to do as I go along. And if I can help one person along the way, well, then I feel like I feel better for it. I feel like I've done some good. Sport, especially sport at the level you played at, coached at, gives you so many emotional experiences. There's a whole book mm. of advice trapped inside the, the Nathan Buckley mm. head that, that 
deserves to be shared. Yeah, I think that um, you, you find that out more and more. Everyone has a story, and and what you do here in these conversations is to unpack, you know, the stories of you know people that have been in public life and others that haven't. Yeah, you know, in the end, it's it's a very um, individual experience. This um, this idea of life, and we think we know everything about it we think we know all there is to know but the reality is we will never like you could live a hundred lifetimes and you still there's still going to be things that you will discover and things that you're not aware of so I um I love hearing about people's stories and I and I've actually more and more I've got you get out of your own head and you get out of your own experience and you realize that you don't know it all and that took me probably longer than most <laughs> but I actually I really enjoy getting to understand why people are who they are, how they see the world and why. And I think once you once you actually spend time to discover that, it's uh, it makes things relationships are so much richer, but your experience is so much richer as well. And it it's given me a different purpose, you know, in probably the last well, increasingly, but in the last, you know, decade of, of my life, I'm I'm far more interested and empathetic than I was before that. Oh, I can see that in the 20-something years we've known each other. Mm. Um, you strike me as an avid reader, are you? No. Wow. No, I'm not. One of the things I you – know, I've my, um, my self-talk can be quite critical and, and negative. I, I remind myself of the things that you should be doing better. Like that's something that I haven't yet been able to – stymie I suppose I think I'm a lot better at buffering it but it's still there um, and one of the things I do criticize myself about is you, you need to read more you need to listen to more I'm not a massive I'm not a grazer of um, of information I, I don't go hunting for different stories I'm not even a big doco watcher but what I find is if you move in like when you move in different circles and one of the benefits of being an AFL footballer in Melbourne is that doors open, people want to say g'day, and what I find is that I meet it's 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 people that I meet in my general life that to find out their stories is enough. That I feel like that I get that 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 is sated the interest to see how other people are and what they do. I don't have to search far and wide. It nearly. It's what comes to me. It's like the book comes to you. The the the, the story yeah. comes to you in real life moments. Well, I've been asked about mentors and inspiration, and and I don't. I, I like Barry Richardson was a guy who I work with Bones. as a, a physician. Great man, yeah, yeah, yeah. great fella. Yeah. And I and I like and you know, he he wouldn't know how significant. Well, he would. I've spoken to him a few times, but he's he was significant for me. Just a father figure, a, a mentor. But no one that I didn't really set that up as a mentorship, and I didn't really do it consistently. It wasn't like we didn't sit down a couple of times a year to go through this, this, and this. It's just ad hoc. When I felt like, oh, I want, I want another opinion here. I'll call Bones, or we'll go and have a bite to eat. Great so, man too, and I, hello to him. He's had his hip 
replaced, hasn't he, recently? I'm not sure where he's at at the moment. Yeah, we, he has. Probably, one knee or hip, one or the other. I can't well, remember. Yeah. One of his things was to be able to run for as many minutes as he was old. That was that, <laughs> So that was one of his challenges. That's I the type remember of person that. he is, isn't he? And yeah. then he was doing he, big on the speed ball. And like, yeah. see, that's coming through yeah. the sort of that old, the old Richmond. It's <laughs> the, the things that you pick up yeah. that, that become you once you get the other side of it. You, you don't, you never lose them. The experiences of a, of a professional life as a footballer, if you could say that about the seventies, but um, but he but he was a big he was big for me as someone who I I respected the way that he saw life first and foremost, and I didn't understand that when I first worked for him in '94, first year at Collingwood, physio aiding. I didn't I thought that I was listening to him about footy. I thought that he was helping me be the best footballer I could be because that was the context I put everything in. But what I was actually observing and feeling was the connectedness, his capacity to empathize with me and to see what I couldn't see and had no idea at that time. And I felt the connection that he saw who I was and I didn't even have any clue who I was at the time. So when I look back at connections like Bones and like, and I think Lee Matthews is sort of a guy, he only coached me for two years in, in uh, 94 and 95, right. but then, and then obviously success at Brisbane against against Collingwood. But then they've come back around through media and Lee's a guy that I just respect. And I just think that these guys, Dennis Cometti was one. Um, it's just different people that, you, that you've met along the way, that you've brushed shoulders with, love their stories, love their ideas, but it's how they made you feel. And I didn't know it in the moments, but I know it in retrospect. I go, oh, that, that's what, that was the golden dust that, that they had that had me feeling comfortable in their space and trusted and trusting of someone because they were really patient. They saw who you were. There wasn't a lot of criticism. There was just support and guidance. And if I can provide that the way that – if I can make people feel the way they made me feel – even on that, on an isolated basis, well, then that's what I'd like. You'd like to think that you're imparting some knowledge in some shape or form, and that's what we call culture at football clubs. These people don't even know that they are shaping your life. They don't know that they're having a profound impact on you, but by being who they are around you, that is culture, and you absorb mm. that and you take it on and you pass it on, and that is the DNA and culture of. Sporting bodies. And I, th I agree with you. And I think that the culture has changed. It's always the same. Those things are always the same. The, the, when you're, it's like nature or nurture. When, when you're in an environment, there's no doubt that you pick up on the people in that environment, the attitudes of that environment, the behaviors of that environment. So football clubs can either be great places to be or they can be detrimental places to be. You're not, you're not altogether aware of it in the moment, but when you look back and you go, okay, well, I've trodden this path, it's either headed you in the right direction or it's made it more challenging in the, in, in that, along that journey. But I would suggest that what is different now is that we're actually we're more open to actually acknowledge that and to say that I have gratitude for that. So I think we can reinforce great behaviours better now than we could 30, 40 years ago. We sort of took it for – I'm talking in a football context yep. – Maybe that happened through osmosis and it was just an un, a, an unspoken thing that used to occur, that transfer of behaviours and, and thought patterns and the way we see the world. But I think now we're actually having those conversations more readily 
uh, there's less hierarchy. So a 20-year-old will will challenge a 50-year-old coach not that you know, in a way or, or ask them questions that you would well, never that's that you would never yeah. ask sort of 20 years ago. They couldn't. And and yeah. and that that changes the dynamic, but I think what it actually does is it is it means that the transfer of information can happen uh, in in a shorter timeline, and things have and you have to be you have to be on the ball all the time because there's opportunities there to pretty much to stuff up earlier than this osmosis that we used to this that used to wash over you. I reckon when I started playing footy, now it's right in your face. A lot of people out there will look at Nathan Buckley and say one of the all-time great players, uh, um, an astute coach who became became a a philosophical leader. The way he spoke about the game, the way he spoke about his players, but there must have been tough times. So we're going to take a break, and I'll ask you about the toughest time. And I don't know what it is, but if you'd be kind enough to tell us your tough times and how you've worked through them after the break, look forward to it. The Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it. But a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Welcome back to The Conversations That Could for Are You Okay? I'm Dermot Brereton. And my guest tonight is the great Nathan Buckley, Brownlow medalist and one of the greatest players of all time. So, Nathan, I don't know. I've seen things that have happened to you. You've lost grand finals and Mm. you've... And, and if I can even use it, you, you've had, like some of us, have had marriage, yep. divorces and split-ups. and yep. Your life looks pretty perfect to a lot of people. Mm. No life is perfect. What's your toughest time you've had to deal with? Yeah, well, the, the, the toughest time personally for me um, is generally the rawest and the most recent um, would be when I – you know, when, when my marriage started to break down and, um, cause children are involved. Yeah. And kid and my boys, um, you know, are, are dealing with that as well. And, and I, and I don't think it's, I don't, I've got to the point where I don't think it's a, a negative. It's not, it's not ideal, but I think it's part of this. It's part of a life experience and things don't always stay the same. I, I think we realize, we all realize that over a long enough timeline that things don't always stay, stay the same and you don't always get what you want. Um, and I feel like I've been, I think we all get delivered that in different ways at different times. But for me, in that, in those moments, you were talking about externally and people thinking that you live a perfect life. The time that it looked like so 2018 was a pretty good year on field, yeah. um, and it was an exceptional uh, coming together of people at the football club, and we had we were winning more, and we rode the wave of momentum through to a grand final and narrow loss. But you know everything was everything was looking great externally. 2018 was it was it was part of it was the hardest year of my life. It was, um, and it was a year that I reconciled how grateful I was for the game and the people within it and had an understanding of, of what true friendship is because I needed people more that year than I'd ever needed people. Why? Well, because I was struggling. Um, because I was struggling to reconcile that I couldn't have what I wanted, that I that I was um, 
working towards, um, you know, I'd always believe that if you work hard enough and if you want something enough that you get it, but that's not the way the world works. It's no, sort of funny. no guarantees. No. So and I, I probably, it, it doesn't matter how many times that you get to that point where you, you feel like you don't quite get what you want. I don't know. I, I, that's happened a lot, but I've but I've always got this capacity, I suppose, to dust myself off when it's all done and dusted. And you think, no, but I can have everything I want, and I will. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, so but this one, even though you know, even though you know, it's not, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but it's like that stubbornness and uh, and and. And it's a not, and it really is a naivety. I think I'm a, an extremely naive person at times. Like I, I've been tun- a lot of elite sportsmen are, and I believe that's because of their tunnel vision. I was about to say the word tunnel visioned, and okay. and I, and I, and I think you sort of you need to have that capacity to, because if your if your vision is wide, and you're absorbing more information. Sometimes I've I've always felt like that. That means you need to share your resources too wide, and if you don't, if you had to share your resources, then you can't put enough into where you want to be. So I've but but I but I would use that as an analogy in my life. I've gone from being really tunnel visioned to just just widening it out. You know, ten or fifteen degrees either side. So I'm now looking at maybe forty five degrees. I've got a ninety degree wedge there that I'm sort of seeing the world in. My peripheral can improve. And you need to be aware of things that are just outside your vision or, or outside your awareness because there is things that we don't understand. But I always thought it would be at the detriment of your your goals and aspirations. But what I realize now is it's it's is it, it's that's part of contributing and, and allowing you to achieve your goals and aspirations, which was more difficult to learn because it wasn't innate for me. I, I didn't learn that as a kid. I learned it as an adult. So that, that makes it less intrinsic and, and I suppose more more mechanical, more, um, I don't know what the word is, but it's, it's, it's not as natural for me to do that. So I need to remind myself about it consistently. Who assisted you through 2018 in the emotional sense and how did, well, you don't have to tell us that, but how did they go about that? What did it look like? Well, it's just just my mates. I had a, had a guy, Noel Duncan, who was who's down at the club, who was you know, who was Danny Frawley's right hand man for the you know, got him through the last five or six years of his life, really, and and was has become a really close um, ally of the the Frawley family, and um, and I and I've I see that this in Noel, he's a bit of a, a he's a bit of a lost dogs guy. So if someone's really struggling, he finds them. And he gets satisfaction out of helping people through the toughest periods of their life, and he did that for me. So we ran, we ran three times a week, and we would meet at six, and we'd run for an hour, and that would start out start my day three times a week. And it's I just, a common I theme. It. If I can just interject there, it's a common theme from from doing this show, learning from people that those who have a plateau in their life emotionally, mentally, or something is is the roadblock to their forward progression. Yep. The common theme is get out yep. and do something. And you said, Nolly Duncan's come around and 
had the run with you. It, it is it is the one common thread I hear from starting yeah. on the road back. Try and succeed at something being outside of your own normal life, yeah. running, walking, being together, letting off a little bit of physical steam and emotions. Well, we choose we choose who we use as our allies in those moments. And you can either be a victim or you can be someone who wants to face it and work through it, face it and work through it, uh, learn from it and build resilience. If you're a victim, I think you will put people around you who will tell you what you want to hear. And we've got this choice as individuals when we face challenge. Um, but it's important for people to, to be able to hold the mirror up for you when you need it. And there needs to be no judgment. Um, there needs to be absolute faith and trust. There needs to be a love and an affection of sorts, and that's platonic. Um, and, and and it needs to be – you need to feel like um, there's a connection with, with the people that you put around you that they're going to help you. Now, we don't know until we're at the other end of it how much help we've received, but Noel was really important for me. And we we've, we did, we've, we continue now, and my calf's are, are stopping me from running as much, but we continue now to catch up and do it. It's, it's important. I think it's an important part of his mental and emotional well-being as much as mine, but he was there for me more than I was there for him. He would say that I was there for him as well. But then you go to the other aspect, get up and get out, so that's the run. Another guy, another mate of mine, Vinny Sammartino, catch up with him for a beer at Boozy Rouge at five o'clock on a Tuesday. We'd have two beers and then we'd and then we'd depart. So that was it. A conversation for an hour on a Tuesday afternoon, every Tuesday on through two thousand eighteen, and I was often, you know, I was often in tears, and we were talking about sort of different things that were going on, and he was there for me, and he's like he's a he's a gruff Italian fella. Who's had a you know, concreter, hard upbringing, builder? Like there'd be a lot of people out here that would know of Vinny because he's a he's a man about town. <laughs> but um, he, I, I, as I said, I didn't understand the true value of friendship until I was really struggling, and then and then I understand. And then when someone, well, I had a group, I had probably a group of four or five guys: Brenton Sanderson, Chris Dance, great mates of mine. But when I had this group of people that just just came to my aid, just were there for me um, consistently. And, and, I, and, I, and I had a moment where I realized, wow, where would I be without, these, without this consistency in my life, without these people that were there for me? And what have I done to deserve, what have I done to deserve this friendship? You know, what am I contributing to this that, that, they're, that they've got these group of blokes that I have so much respect for that are there for me at this moment? And, and I, I've the gratitude I had for that was through the roof. I've never been great at, at, at keeping friends. I've never been great at staying in touch until now. The way I've reconciled it is as a young man, I went to 13 schools as a kid, great at really, really uh, easy at making friends and making connections. Yep, I could agree with that. Yep. But didn't have the capacity, never learned because I'd be moving on after 12 months, 18 months, you go to a new place, go to a new place, go to a new place. My The cycle of my childhood, and even even going to Adelaide for three years, I was out of there, so out of, out of Port Adelaide Footy Club, at Brisbane for a year, at Collingwood. So when I'd got to 95, 1995, I'd been at Collingwood for two years, I'm 23 years old, I hadn't been in a place any longer than two years. That was it. 
pretty much for the for my whole life. Um, I'd been at boarding school since fifteen, so what I'd le- I'd learned to make friends and to fit into new environments, and often that was being a clown, or or performing or succeeding. Um, so that was that was my coping mechanism. But then moving into a new environment, you're too busy trying to trying to immerse yourself in that new environment to connect back to the old environment that you were in. And then a football club, as you know, the cycles that you go through, you've got you're so encapsulated with the people that you're involved in in this moment. The guys that left the club for whatever reason, whether they've been there for two years, five years, or ten years, I I, I very rarely stayed in touch with those guys because I was so busy looking after the guys that I was with now. So my upbringing as a kid and the football reality, I, I was never great at at contributing to long-term friendships because it wasn't something that I was used to as a, as a young man. If you're going to be analytical of your own personality, would you see that as a positive, that you're so strong in the area of being able to in, ingratiate yourself and, and make friends or is it the negative that you are incapable of seeing beyond those in your current company? I'd need to service that relationship. It's, it's, my self-talk is always negative in that regard. You, you are, you are less, lesser, or less than because you're so fo- you're so single-minded, determined, and, and tunnel-visioned into what's around your current moment that you've moved on from, or ignored, or haven't contributed or invested enough in. In older, in 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 more in more longer term relationships, so I would I know that 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 is a negative self talk in so me. So you recognise it, yeah. And it yeah. took me a while to recognise that, but that's probably why that that going through this period and understanding the value of friendship, and I go, oh look, like like these guys have stayed with me, and I must have contributed enough back to them for them to now contribute back to me. So I've got to, you got to give yourself a bit of a pat on the back when people are there for you. There is a there is a bit of an ego element for them because they know that yeah. they're, that they're of worth to you. You'd understand. There's that. A, there, yeah. there's an economy in relationships of that. Because and, you, and you're also you would understand. You're also not for your good friends, but but people who call themselves your friends who are acquaintances. That you'd understand that they treat you differently to how they might treat others. And as I well. hate that. I that's the, and that once again that's negative. When people try to put me on a on a pedestal, or when people see you a certain way, or treat you differently to any other human, I I, I hate that. I never well, I'm about, I was about to say I never jumped the queue in a, in a at a nightclub. I did occasionally, but I was really uncomfortable doing. I never it. queued up, Nathan. No, I no, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I did see that, but I but even like. Um, Anytime, I would never allow, it was not like I, for whatever reason, I was, I was never comfortable taking something for nothing. I've never been comfortable being treated different to uh, any other person. I don't like the idea of celebrity and and status because, and I've never, been, I've never been comfortable with it, but I never understood why. And now I understand why. It's because everyone has a story. Everyone is worthy. Everyone is enough. And- Everyone has the right to be treated as a special person. So don't give me different treatment to someone else because that just reinforces this idea of um, you're more you're more human or you're more worthy than that person. And I, I that 
I resent that. I really do resent that. So, and you understanding that that person is is elevating themselves in the eyes of their correct. secondary friends because of their association with you. Yeah, and 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 that makes I I want to I want to run from that as fast as I possibly can. Yeah. It's it's I think that's the. I, I I just think that's the the it's always it's the upbringing. Mum and Dad were always about like Mum was always really worldly, like she had a gypsy existence. I think she she's um, really strong connections with the Indigenous community. Yep. Um, I think that she identifies more with Indigenous culture than with the Euro, the European culture. Um, uh, and and Dad was you know, a football coach he moved, we we were moving around a lot and that's why for his work and for and for his coaching mum was a nurse so we could move around a lot but the way that they lived they treated people everyone they met they they started on an even keel they didn't I don't feel that mum and dad ever saw status mum would talk to a guy who was sitting at the front of the shopping center down the road asking for money she would that needed some cash for some food she would treat that person with the same level of respect as as her boss or the chief minister of the Northern Territory. Like, so I witnessed and absorbed that and I'm beneficiary of that because I don't see status and I don't see um, prestige. I just, I, I, thankfully, I just see people and meet them where I find them. This is the Conversations That Could, brought to you by Dare Ice Coffee. Kickstart a conversation with Dare and Are You OK? More with the great Nathan Buckley in a moment. The Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. When your mate bottles it up, a dare fix won't fix it. But a conversation could. Ask Are You OK? Welcome back to the Conversations That Could for Are You OK? I'm Dermot Brereton, and tonight our guest is Collingwood legend Nathan Buckley. So one of the favourite stories I have about Nathan Buckley, and I could talk all day long about how good a player he was, how brilliant he was, my favourite story is I compare him to Lee Matthews insofar as that on a Monday after our final game in 1995, we ended up at some bar nightclub, and you got a free hat if you shot a three-pointer out on the dance floor with a, a makeshift basketball ring. And we were all up there, Monkey and I, and have watching, and, and Nathan Buckley queued up twice before he drained the three-pointer and then gave the hat back. It wasn't about the hat. It was that desire to achieve and win, the drive in it, the drive in that young man, the only other person I've seen with that drive who had to win even the two warm-up laps before mm. training. Do you remember sprinting with Johnny Hassel oh, for yeah. the last 150? Yeah. And I'd go, oh, my God, my hamstrings are screaming and I'm jogging 150 metres behind you. Yeah. Lee Matthews had that drive, but he was a bit more silent about the way he went about it. Where, mm. where did that unbelievable – it was almost inhuman, that, mm. that, that drive. It was, it was insatiable. It was demented. It was demented, and um, I didn't understand what it was at the time. Um, I actually had to turn around to some of our teammates and say, "That's not normal. No, and, don't and, do that and, because and, you'll pull muscles." But I, but it's, but that. So you're talking about an anecdote there that impacts no one. Imp- correct. Imp- correct. Imp- impacts very little. Yeah. It it might it might set a bar that others might want to aspire to, but what I found happens equally as often is it actually 
it is it's detrimental to people because they feel like okay well if that's that's if that's a level that I, and and that's the type of person you need to be I don't want to be that or I can't get there so why should I even start trying so I think as a leader setting a bar is great but actually plotting a path from where you are to that bar is is more important but I was demented I was demented about it because I thought and this is what I was driven by the way I brought, the way I reconciled my upbringing I didn't think that I was worthy unless I succeeded as a footballer so I used to think I play well I'm enough I don't play well you're hopeless you're hopeless and no one no one values you no one sees worth in you so it was it was so binary for me so that was what drove me and I didn't know what it was at the time, I, and I had no concept of it for a long time. And I've had to unpack this, you know, as I've gone along in my life. But the reason I came across as arrogant, the reason I came across as demented, the reason I wanted to win everything, the reason I want to go and drain that three in basketball is because I want people to. Look, I wanted people to know. I wanted people to look at me and say, oh, that guy's worthy because he's won. You wanted affirmation through and, and, and that, that, and, and all of it, all of it, that was the only thing I had in my life. It's the only way that I felt that I was worthy, which is when you when you look at it back, and what, where has this come from? How has it come about? Why do you actually perceive yourself in this way and not see value anywhere else? I was, I was a pretty simple human. So you made the word, you used the word unpack. Have you unpacked it yeah. and work, worked out the absolute seed of where that came I from? Think, I think it's the relationship with my dad and I really think it's the way that, the way that he, my relationship to love through my relationship with my father. So dad was a, dad was a hard man. He, he went, to, went to war in Vietnam as a 19-year-old. He had seven months there. He came back. Um, Did ne- it affect him? Yes, and he didn't talk about it until 2010 when we both went over to Vietnam for four days and and that was probably the beginning of me being able to unpack my own childhood by understanding where my father had come from and wow. how he had parented. That's powerful. And it's it's when I, I, I'm doing a, you know, corporate talks and boardroom talks now and when I do these, people come expecting to hear me talk about footy. Yeah. I end up talking about myself and the thing that like my 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 own journey and my own journey of growth because I think that for us to be better leaders, managers, um, friends, parents, whatever you want to be, to be better at whatever your passions are at life, it's not it's not asking for more from the people around you or that they can be better. It's actually going back and understanding yourself. So I talk about my exploration and understanding of why I became the person I became, why I see things the way I see things. And it, and it, and it disarms people straight away because they just, then they see you as human. They don't see the Nathan Buckley that they think that they're going to see. They the don't, cloak has dropped. And that, but that's the reality. That's the reality. Like the media cloak, the, the, this image of, that that you propagate as that I propagate as a young man of being in control of being like like this hard like exterior that was always there that was a protective mechanism because in behind the young bloke in behind shitting himself that he's going to get found out that he doesn't have it all sorted so I know because of that experience that 
I know because of that experience that other people might actually be doing the same thing. So I don't just look at what I'm seeing on the outside of people as a manager, as a coach. And that came to me late, not in the first three or four years of my coaching career, but towards the end. I don't just look at the behavior and the exterior. I, I understand that you got to pump the brakes on that, get to know the person and try and understand why, and then help them through that. That's the part I loved about coaching more than the kicks, marks and handballs. One of the things I've learned through this is, and even with my own background, is we learn from our parents and they learn from theirs, good, bad or indifferent. Mm. They they inherit a lot of their demeanour, a lot of their social skills, a lot of the way they treat their own offspring. Somewhere along the line, some's good, some's bad, and it's not their fault. They're, they're, they're doing the best they can and they accidentally pass it on in most cases. How was your father's father? Do you know where where he came from? Have you learnt the situation where he got that that hard exterior from the the world of expectation from him? Dad's dad was was solid. He was very hard on him, Bill. He was very hard on Dad. I don't know the genesis of why, which I think is important. Yeah. I don't know what. Bill, Will you seek it? I don't know what my great my my grandfather's upbringing was to have him other than being a sign of the times. You know, that, that's, a, that's a part that of that. era. Yeah, just harder, harder life, you know, you know harder men, um, less emotion, you know, more, you know, strong resilience, um, you know, just, you know, it probably the expectation of what a man was 50, 60, 70 years ago is very different to what it is now. We're, we're, we're allowed to be more nuanced. We're allowed to show our emotions. We're allowed to, you know, be – more than than what our my, what my grandfather or my father were expected to be, and the pass on to your children. What are you with them? Well, I see myself. I, I think I'm soft, but they would think that I'm that I I'm critical. Like <laughs> I, I I know that I this is this the this this juxtaposition because I don't I didn't want to be my dad because and my dad drove me and he and for all of what the challenges that I felt, I don't know what I would have been as if, whether I would have had the, the life in football that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the back, I really enjoyed the back half of it. The first half of it was stressful and, you know, anxious and that was hard. Like for all the reasons of the pressure that I put on myself, the back half of it I really enjoyed. I, I don't want my boys to feel that but I don't then there's a juxtaposition of well what if I'm not setting them up to succeed so there's a balance of this I'm not my dad um I'm not um uh, I'm still I, I think being a dad is the hardest thing I've ever done and I'm trying to work out how I can be the best dad that I can be and my sons are teaching me as much as I'm teaching them and I feel really grateful for that we're chatting with Nathan Buckley. This is the conversations that could. Thanks to Dare Iced Coffee and Are You OK? More in a moment. The conversations that could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it. But a conversation could. Ask Are You OK? 
Welcome back to the conversations that could for Are You OK? I'm Dermot Brereton and tonight our guest is Nathan Buckley. He's a legend of the Collingwood Football Club and so much more. You touched on your childhood and your upbringing and that has obviously had a really big effect on shaping your life. So Nathan, some people hide it pretty well. Some people cannot hide. Our great mate, Nick Revolt, he is the worst at hiding the fact that it Hurts him. Yeah, good it point. Deeply hurts him when grand final premiership wins are brought up. He's yeah, and that's just that's just him. He wears his heart on his sleeve, and you, it's written all over his face. You have been to the well a couple of times, you know, as a player and coach. Uh, you're still dirty on the umpire in 2018. <laughs> but how do you deal? How do you emotionally deal with that? Two part question, and how do you? apportion your amount of input into the the wonderful effort that Collingwood made this year? Yeah, I think, um, well, if we go back to 18, I just, as as we detailed, you know, it was the toughest year of my life but in one aspect, but the most, you know, rewarding in another because it taught me a lot about myself and, yep. and I loved that my um, contribution and involvement with the club and, and the run that we went on. Um, I'm... I'm quite pragmatic, um, and you're I've, very pragmatic as a person. Yeah, actually, and yeah. I've been able to, but but I think the, um, the, that word unpack again. But I think when you reconcile your contribution, the the life that you've lived, I mean, I, I can leave that in the past, and but I've also been able to appreciate the journey over the destination. And I think you have to you have to be able to do that when. I've I've invested a large part of my life to a certain aim. It was all about delaying gratification. So you yep. do this, 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 so you get that. Well, I didn't get that in the end, and that was to a premiership as a player. I didn't get that at the end, the premiership as a as a coach. But I was involved in one in two thousand ten as an assistant coach, and I feel a contribution there. I'm not involved at the club at the moment, but I've enjoyed seeing their run, and I but I've contributed to individuals within that and feel like there's a part of me that's going along. So, so, so your but fingerprints all are all over that. And a lot of people would say, oh, gee, Nathan Buckley must be dirty that, that Collingwood have come from way down and they almost made the grand final. That He'd be bleeding on that, wouldn't he? How was, does Nathan Buckley no, feel? I was, I'm, I'm gutted that they didn't get there. I'm gutted that, that the prelim happened and – the the group that I've been involved in, they're not just the players, but the guys off the field. Like they've now been in three games towards the pointy end. The 2018 narrow loss, the 2019, the ball's in the forward line, less than a kick in it with GWS. And then now again, three years later, a ball's in the forward line, less than a kick. So there's guys there like Jeremy Howitt's come across, Jack Crisp, Will Hoskin-Elliott, a couple of other guys there. They're guys I feel for, and then there's then there's you know for every one of those there's five or six that are off the field that have con- committed and contributed heavily. I feel for them, but I would have like I'm presenting the Norm Smith Medal this Saturday. I would have loved to handed that over to one of those boys, and and I would have loved to have been on the field for Collingwood to have won that, and there wouldn't have been a hint of ego in me. I would have been wrapped for it, and I would have felt some shared glory with it, given that that I been along most of the journey with these guys, but I, I think Fly and the, the coaches and Graham Wright have done an amazing job. I'm, I'm, they deserve all the credit for 22, 
But no, I, I don't. There's no animosity here at all. I've reconciled all of that, and I feel like I've had a blessed run. Nathan Buckley, whether you like it or not, you're a, on the AFL landscape. Mm. You're like a mega predator. You're mm. a, like a, yeah. an apex predator. And then you, <laughs> no, you're like a king in there. Yeah, okay. The fly was a very good player, but it completely opposite ends. If you're talking about the, what we view is the makeup of a yeah, coach. Yeah, but see, this is where this is where I'm going with with um, stereotyping. And, 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 and I'm going and there with it. Yeah. Like so. So oh, what, somehow I'm going to be a better coach than Fly because because I've been an apex predator, or Fly's going to be a better coach than me because he's played in premierships. There's there's so many different ways to look at things, and people like they cling to one thing because they think it is the answer. And when we cling to one thing, we let go ninety nine other possibilities. So we've got to remember that we take a step back. There is and widen our vision. There's so many more things that are happening. What I would say about Fly, Fly is a more natural, optimistic person than I am. I think his self-talk would be quite far more positive than I, and I think that makes it easier for him to be more natural and more optimistic in front of a group of people. So was his style what they those boys needed at this moment? I love, does that hurt you? That- no. When they, when they appointed him, I thought, awesome. I reckon the positive aspects that have been built will be reinforced and the new and there's scope for new growth, and I think he was the perfect. I, I and, and I had no impact in, or input into it, but when I saw it, I thought perfect because I feel like the the the, the parts that were not uh, automatic for me that were built in the four or five years preceding fly coming in, he'll be able to pick up on them and run with it and make it even better. It's like the baton being handed over. Some of the hard work's already been done, but I reckon he'll go and make this more natural and better than than I could. And I think that has happened and happening. And um, I love that because a lot of his language is very similar to the language that we were um, pushing and and growing and learning about and exploring for the last sort of three or four years. And I think it's great that I mean it. I don't know if it's accidental, but it is. I think it's a really good appointment because it's a natural evolution, but this guy can take it further than I was going to be able to take it. Uh, wonderful words. When was the last time you spoke to him? Fly, I just, I've sent him a couple of messages through the year. We, see, once again, we've, we've um, had crossed paths yep. and we've had shared um, experiences, but and, and, I, and I want to see him do well, but I wouldn't call us mates. Or we haven't invested in the relationship, but I've sent him a few, so I love this, well done, doing well, probably three times. He's probably got back to me a couple, and but that's even the same way with the with the players. I sort of wanted to – I'm not there, so I'm going to stay all the way out of it. Yeah. I've got a wedding to go to in, in six weeks for Steel, and I'm looking forward to catching up in a in a total – you know, I said, what's that – a in an environment, in a context separate of footy, yep. that'll be great just to sit there and, and reconnect. But, yeah, I yeah, I would have loved them to go all the way. Nathan, it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege chatting to you. As I say, I've known you since 95 when we played at the Magpies together. Well, I was out there for a little bit. <laughs> you played. You, you were great. You talk about <laughs> learnings and, and I like watching you go about it and the way that you carry yourself really taught me. When I when I go back and have a look at it, but I didn't know it at the time as much. It was great at the time, but yeah, you're the experience of people like you that have lived a full life in footy. It's crucial to have that in an environment because it just teaches you that 
the one thing is not the only thing and that there's a more considered way to view things. Very thank kind you. of you. And thank you for coming in tonight and chatting with us. Cheers, You're man. a legend. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> Nathan Buckley, thank you for being our guest. You can hear Nathan on SEN Breakfast and with Jared Waitley on a Tuesday or catch up via podcast. I'm Dermot Brereton, and we'll be back next week when we'll kickstart a conversation with Dare and Are You OK? Thanks for listening. The Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A Dare fix won't fix it. But a conversation could. Ask Are You OK? Are You OK?